Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, friends, and welcome to fall if you're listening to this in real time, although I realize you can listen to this episode whenever you want. It is officially fall with the leaves changing colors. My tiny little cabin in the woods had an evergreen tree suddenly turning brown, which is not supposed to be a thing, and so I was very anxious about how expensive it would be to have my dying tree removed, and I just got the best phone call ever, which is that apparently evergreen trees really do turn brown and shed and then turn green again. I didn't know that was a thing. You learn something new every day. I also learned apparently I don't know the difference between a redwood tree and a cedar tree. That is not actually surprising at all. Clearly, I teach kids, not trees. Another thing that tends to happen this time of year is the annual IEP reviews and the 504 plan revisiting to make sure that every student gets the accommodations they need going into the new school year and has the right goals in place. With this in mind, that's why this episode number 69 is all about preparing for annual IEP and 504 meetings. This past week, I started my coaching program that I've opened up to the public. Previously, I only did it with my current clients of students I directly work with. And this past week, I opened it up so listeners like you and other people could get support and help from me using the coaching program in order to get some ideas and strategies and resources to help their kids be successful. I've already had three meetings this past week, and that's actually what has inspired this episode is because of emails with current families I already work with, as well as through the coaching, I've had a lot of parents asking advice about what they should talk about at the annual review meetings for either the IEP or the 504 plan. Now, because we've had so many episodes, I actually have other resources for you in previous episodes. So if you want to learn even more about these IEP processes, it is episode number 40 is about the IEP process itself. And episode 32 is about important IEP terms, as in like the terminology that gets used in those meetings, because boy, are there a lot of acronyms and words that normal humans don't use if they don't work in education. So if you want just the terminology, you can download that off my website at parnelloeducation.com forward slash IEP terms. I will link that in the show notes for you as well. If you were a parent interested in the coaching program, then that is at parnelloeducation.com forward slash coaching. And there's two options, one for 30 minute sessions and one for one hour sessions, depending on how much support you need. 
All right, jumping in to some things that you need to do at your annual review meetings. The first is think about what was really working for you this year and make sure that that stays on the IEP or 504 plan for the coming year. If there was a strategy that worked really well, make sure that it stays put and does not go anywhere. On the flip side, if there's any strategies that did not work at all that were listed on the 504 that you know for certain you're not going to use anymore, go ahead and remove them. One thing to keep in mind, it is better to have something listed as an approved accommodation and not use it than get halfway through the year and then wish they were allowed to use that because it's really difficult to get an emergency IEP to have it amended and changed what their approved accommodations are. It is much easier to put everything that you might need as an approved accommodation and then just not use it than to add something in in the middle of the year before it's time for the actual IEP meeting to come around again. The next thing you need to do is look at the goals. How much was accomplished and how were they being addressed? When you're looking at the goals, are they measuring actual skills? The number of times I've read an IEP that says student will read 80 words a minute at grade level, that doesn't mean anything. A grade level text could be a nonfiction text. It could be something from their reading program that may or may not do a very good job of teaching them reading. Instead, make sure the goals focus on a specific skill that you want them to achieve. So if it says read at grade level, that is not a skill. A skill is something like they will be able to read words with silent E's in them. They will be able to read words with vowel teams in them. They will be able to utilize a spell checker in order to correct their spelling errors. Make sure the goals are measurable things that are tangible. Reading at grade level is not an actual tangible skill, and especially if you write the goal in fifth grade and then you review the goal in sixth grade, which level of reading progress are you actually measuring? Are you measuring based on a fifth grade text or a sixth grade text? That is actually pretty subjective to say it's either a fifth or a sixth grade text. When we think about kids learning how to read and learn how to spell, there are actual measurable skills like certain specific patterns they will develop. Do they have the skills to be able to read words with R's in them, like shark and park and smirk and that kind of thing? So make sure the goals match an actual measurable skill. Additionally, if it's an IEP meeting, make sure it clarifies who will be providing the instruction to reach that skill. If you have them put in a specific skill, clarify who is going to be doing the instruction to teach them those patterns that are in their IEP. Instead, if it's a 504 meeting, Make sure that there is a plan for how this information is going to be distributed to the teachers. Having a 504 meeting does you no good if the teachers don't access it and know what is in the plan. So make sure that every teacher, reading, art, science, make sure all of them get the 504 accommodations and know what each child is entitled to receive during their class. So many times it goes to the general education teacher or the homeroom teacher and never makes it to the specialty teachers. I remember at the school there was a complaint because a teacher wouldn't let a student stand while he was working, but it was in his accommodations that he was allowed to stand while he works, and the teacher for some reason was crazy insistent that they must sit in a chair or the stool or whatever it was. Make sure that it goes to everybody and letting the entire teaching team that reaches that child know what the accommodations are and why they're in place so that a kid isn't getting in trouble for an accommodation that genuinely makes them a better human who can learn better. In one of my emails that I sent to one of my families I've been working with for a long time now, 
I sent a fairly negative feeling email, which is not my normal. I usually try to focus on as much progress and positivity as possible. When you are in IEP meetings and 504 plans, that can be the hardest thing for a parent to hear all the ways that a child is struggling and all the things that are wrong. But in the long run, it actually works in your favor if you can focus on all the things that are challenging so that you can create a plan for what will get them the most support to make those things less challenging. One thing I've seen is parents really want to focus on how great their kid is doing and how much progress they're making, which is fantastic. But those things are not going to get you help. When you want a student to get as much support as possible, you have to focus on all the ways that they have a challenge that needs to be supported. While it can feel like a pile of negativity that might make you want to cry in your car when you're done with the meeting, it is something that can really help get the student the support that they need if you remind people all the things that are more challenging. What assignments take longer? Which things do they need more help from a teacher? Which things do they need extended time? Which things are overwhelming and is too much for them? And is there a way to reduce the amount of workload and reduce the number of problems that need to be done or the number of paragraphs that the answers have to be written in? Or can they write the answer in incomplete sentences if the point is just to make sure the student understands the content of, say, a science lesson? I know for me as an educator who loves working with students who have learning differences, it is actually really hard for me to write an email to a parent that lists all the things that are wrong with their child, because that's not actually what is my goal in life. My goal is to help and support those children. But if I give them a paragraph of what to tell the school, it needs to be very clear and articulate about what is really challenging for these students. If a kiddo can't do it one-on-one with me, how bad does that look in a classroom? If they are challenged and it takes a lot of work in a one-on-one environment, that probably means it takes that child 10 times more work to try to do that thing inside of a busy classroom with less support. Is the student floundering or are they able to ask for help? Is the student able to utilize all of their accommodations in every single classroom? Is there a designated person helping the student reach the goals? Sometimes I feel like in an IEP, there's a lot of battle and back and forth over what the goals actually are and getting them all written on paper. And then there's not enough follow-up to make sure somebody's actually teaching to meet those goals. So one thing you need to make sure that you talk about in the meeting is who is responsible for teaching the child to XYZ. If it's an accommodation, who's going to teach them how to use that assistive technology? Who is going to be responsible for telling the teachers about the accommodation? If it is an instructional goal, who is responsible for providing that instruction to meet the goal? When you're in these IEP and 504 meetings, it's really important to try to keep your cool as much as you can so that you can be the most powerful advocate for your child as possible. Your child needs someone to say, yes, I know they can do it, but here are the 10 ways they're still challenged and how are we going to meet those challenges where they are so that they can be a success in the long run. A lot of times this can be really hard to see the end game because all you see is a child struggling and all you want to do is help them but you also want to say how smart you know your kid is and how much you know they can do it. But we need to be realistic about how is this moment in time looking for them in the classroom? How can we best support them right now? To end with a bit of positivity, I had a little Facebook memory pop up that if you follow me on socials, you may have seen already this week, which was a memory that popped up of a post I had done that I had left anonymous as to who the student was and how happy it made me that the parent texted me a picture of this child reading her very first chapter book. This was eight years ago, and so this child is now a 16-year-old in AP classes. 
who is able to do college prep stuff and is working on preparing for her PSATs and applying to colleges. So while this moment felt a million years in the distance just eight years ago, like it was something impossible when this child could not read, could not write, and couldn't do any homework without help, and now she's in AP classes applying to colleges. So know that these challenges now can have a successful future. You just got to push through and get through the miserable IEP meetings and get them to a stronger place. I'll be honest, while I'm very good at running an IP meeting, I really hate doing it. I was told by a colleague what a great advocate I would become if I chose to become a professional dyslexia advocate. And I told them, um, no, thank you. I love making people happy. And I love making kids and parents happy. And in an IEP meeting, those are rarely what you would describe as happy experiences. Every once in a while, you end up with an amazing district. And they are like, sure, we can provide all the services for you. Here you go. But nine times out of 10, that is not the case. So I choose happy light bulb moments with children with some occasional parent coaching and recommendations for ways to find success. All right, to recap our lesson for today, we talked about how important it is to attend IEP meetings and 504 meetings. We talked about how there are a lot of strengths students have, but the purpose of the meeting, you need to focus on their weaknesses and what accommodations worked last year and we should use again this year. We mentioned how it is better to have more accommodations listed and then not use them than go back and try to amend the IEP to get them approved later on. And we talked about the fact that IEP meetings and 504 plan meetings are sometimes not the best experiences, but I promise you they are worth it. You are your best advocate and do whatever you can to help your child be successful and eventually it will get better. Remember, I have some resources for you that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. If you want to learn more about the IEP process, that is in episode number 40. If you want to learn more about the IEP terms, that is episode 32. Or if you just want to download the terms, they are totally free at parnelloeducation.com forward slash IEP terms. I will also link them to where you are listening to this episode. And then lastly, if you need support and parent coaching on the ideas of what you could do to help your child be successful, that is at parnelloeducation.com forward slash coaching. That's it for today, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.